0: You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're
2: listening to The Archaeology Show. TAS goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to The Archaeology Show, episode 241.
2: On today's show, we talk about where we want to go when we become archaeology time travelers.
0: Let's dig a little deeper into that fractured timeline because it doesn't (laughs) matter. We made a new one. (laughs) Welcome to the Archaeology Show. Hello. So if you are in bed getting ready for sleep, welcome (laughs) to your nighttime (laughs) archaeology program.
2: (laughs) It is so funny to me because we hear so many people saying that they fall asleep to our show and it's just a thing. People fall asleep to podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard like not just our show, but like. Lots of shows. That's what people do.
0: I've rarely heard advertisers get on board with that and like putting in a few, you know, oh, sleep mask ads or here's one for Ambien. (laughs) Something like that.
2: Or like a soothing voice to like purposely put you to sleep like in the middle of the ad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Well, some people who sleep very deeply are time travelers because, (laughs) you know, if you time travel into the future, which is possible, generally you're going to have to sleep for a really long time and hopefully your body doesn't age. But actually, sure, that's possible. Sure, okay.
2: That I guess that connects to it, sleep. No, it is possible. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, so just looking at that. Well, I saw this article called "From Historical Holidays to Archaeological Sites: Top Destinations for the Time Traveler," which is misleading because I was very excited. Yeah, uh, it's from a outfit called the National, and it's actually just a, a collection of tour agencies and tours and, you know, specific tours that you can do in in certain places.
2: Yeah. It kind of sounded like it was, I didn't realize they were going to be advertising to us when we were looking at the article, but I mean, I'm not mad about it. You know, we've just recently come off of a really big trip and, you know, knowing what cool places there are to visit from an archeological perspective is always a great thing to do research on. These trips in this article are like crazy expensive. So I don't really think that that's the right fit Right. For a lot of people <laughs> right. because of that. But it is nice to know like what is out there. And so this article was fun for that reason.
0: Yeah, I wanted to bring up just the first few of these and we are not affiliated with any of these or get any money no. out of this. And
2: honestly, we're <laughs> not even endorsing doing these these tours. It's just right. cool to see what kind of places you can go that are archaeologically focused.
0: Keep in mind, too. We have a guest that's going to be coming on in a couple of months here that I talked to and she actually does tours in mm-hmm. Egypt and we might have something special in store for that as well, but we'll talk about that later. Regardless, she actually told me that, you know, some of the tours that, that they offer like this are usually geared towards older people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're even mobility challenged, but it's like 40 or 50 senior citizens, mm-hmm. which isn't a big deal, no, that's but fine. Just, you got to yeah. know what you're getting into with some of these tours. Yeah. Right. Well, and, older
2: people are the ones who tend to do Tours like this, yeah. And if you like a more fast-paced sort of itinerary, which I think we, we yeah. do, we like to we like to move quickly and see lots of things. So yeah, yeah.
0: So just keep that in mind, and that's probably why the the cost is so high on some of these because it seems like they
2: luxury. Well, <laughs> they not bougie. Only, not only are they luxury, but
0: they're like fully in hotels and yeah. airfare covered in some of these. Yeah, yeah. You know, all your meals are covered. Yeah. it's just you know, it's it's fancy.
2: It's fun to read and dream, though, for right. sure. Yeah.
0: One of these first ones uh, is called the Human History Expedition, which is really cool, by National Geographic. Mm-hmm. It is a 10-day trip, which includes access to three archaeologists. That's kind of how the article was written. I don't know what that means, if like you meet them up at certain places or it was curated by an archaeologist or yeah. three of them. Are
2: they like local archaeologists or are they people yeah. that travel with you from National Geographic? That was right. not really super clear, but yeah. either way, I'm sure it's knowledgeable people who can explain the secrets of wherever yeah. you're going.
0: <laughs> but you see lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. It is impressive what you get to go see. It starts out by saying, go back 40,000 years, see cave carvings and paintings from the Dordogne to Basque Country. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basque Country. Sorry, not Basque Country. I'm sure there's a Basque County, too. I don't know.
2: Probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: anyway, there might be a Nevada, actually. No, there isn't.
2: No, there's
0: not. Actually. Okay. So, and you go to the Lascaux Caves in France, uh, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind... No one goes in the yep. Lascaux caves. You can't in France. actually go in those caves. They've <laughs> yeah. been
2: closed to the public for I think a, long, a time long time now. Yeah,
0: yeah. But there's a for preservation purposes. You there's know? an exact replica nearby uh, yeah. with the museum that you can go in, and it's uh, supposed to be very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know what? To be honest, I don't think I'd go all the way to Lascaux for a replica. Like I could yeah. probably see that in VR or something. Yeah, right. You know, if I'm mm-hmm. going to see a replica, I can see that anywhere. Yeah. So, that but being you get said, a
2: feel <laughs> for the terrain and like what it would have yeah. been like to be a human that is going into these cave systems, you know, if you're actually there. So there's, you know,
0: that'd be cool. You go to Atapuerca, which I believe is in Spain, maybe Portugal. It's over there on the coast somewhere. Mm -hmm. But that's where Europe's oldest known hominid fossils were found. That's according to this article. I'm not sure that's totally true still, but it's at least very old hominid fossils. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you get a lecture there from a leading expert on paleolithic art, which is really cool.
2: Atapuerca is where the... Cima de los Huesos, is, I think the oh. the cave pit. No, they, right. That might yeah. not be where they're going for this tour, but sure. there are a lot of really old. There's yeah. a lot of really old hominids there for sure.
0: Another cool thing about this trip is uh, they make a prehistoric meal made from ingredients used by Neanderthals thousands of years ago. Oh, that's
2: cool. I'm yeah. like,
0: so the paleo diet? <laughs> that's pretty much what you're. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I'm sure it could be really good though. Like we've read some articles right. where they recreate the meals, and it sounds pretty yeah. delicious.
0: And I guess you stay in high-end hotels in medieval towns. Yeah. And for all of this, and I didn't say whether or not airfare is included to the start point, but transportation once you get there is included, mm-hmm. with and food, and lodging. And it's about $9,000 per person. Oh, it's so pricey. That is a lot. I mean, that's, that's almost $1,000 a day. And that's...
2: Per person, that's crazy. That is, yeah. that is a lot.
0: Now, if you like staying in high-end hotels and eating great food, yeah, I mean, you're going to pay at least five hundred a day for that.
2: The thing is, is if you cannot afford a trip like that, it's still great to read a resource like this because they're going to give you the highlights of where to go, and then you can DIY it. Make you your know, own trip. yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: There's another one here called Highlights of Albania. I'm
2: which, so into this idea. I, I want to go to Albania. It looks yeah. so cool.
0: It says it was 5,500 DH, which is I'm not really sure what method of currency that is. Yeah,
2: I'm not sure.
1: Either. Uh, and
0: I didn't bother to do the, con- the conversion. So, mm-hmm. you know, go check it out if you want to. Yeah. But you see Byzantine and Roman histories because that's, you know, Albania.
1: hmm.
0: That Albania was, I kind of re- didn't realize how close everything was, but Albania is right next to Croatia yeah. when we were there. Yeah. And I was like, oh crap, Albania is right there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> I know that because of Eurovision. That's how nice. I know where any of the countries in Europe yeah. are that are, that are <laughs> kind of smaller and not as like right well known in america tristan's probably cringing right
0: now if he's listening i'm sure <laughs>
2: yes
0: so this one starts in Tirana, the capital of Albania. And there's Italian architecture because probably the Venetians.
2: Mm, probably. And yep. <laughs> <Ottoman>. <laughs> Definitely the Venetians. It's always <laughs> the Venetians.
0: <laughs> and Ottoman buildings and mosques. And you see several UNESCO sites. There's UNESCO sites all over that area. Mm-hmm. A fifth century castle that was once home to a military leader whose name I can't pronounce, but he also went by the Dragon of Albania, Ooh, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's sweet.
2: a very cool name. Yeah. yeah.
0: That is from responsibletravel.com. I linked separately to some of these in our show notes not all of them just Mm -hmm. like the first four or five so you can go check those out but uh, for the rest you'll have to go to the actual article Mm -hmm. which hopefully I can find the actual article because it's an Apple news article and sometimes we can't find these in the real world yeah we'll link
2: to it as best we can yeah
0: but Then there's Highlights of Ancient Greece, which I thought was fun. So we
2: did DIY this tour, basically.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Although we didn't go to everywhere, but.
0: We did not. Yeah, it uh, starts in Athens, goes to um, the Mycenae area, medieval castle of Mistress. Mm. Also Corinth, where there was a Roman forum, temples, fountains. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get to spend the night in ancient Sparta. Which that is really, really cool. cool. Yeah. Includes breakfast, shared lodging, domestic transportation, all the stuff. And that one's twenty two thirty five, it said. Yeah. Which that sounds pretty reasonable.
2: Actually, yeah, you that's a good
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah. I mean, we've been to Greece, obviously, and Greece is very affordable once you get there. Yeah. You know, everything was so much cheaper than we expected, like food wise and lodging and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a very affordable place. It's a great, great place to go and
0: experience
2: yeah. the archaeology for sure.
0: And what I like about some of the remaining ones, they're all under 4,000 British pounds is what they were in, but a lot of them are under three, some are under two. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, that's cool is, you know, you think of going on tours and like we did a self-guided audio tour of the Acropolis, like Mm -hmm. we mentioned, right? And we've done stuff like that before. But these tours that are listed here are more itineraries. Yeah. for seeing themed things, you know, you've got one that starts at the Standing Stones in Scotland, but you see a bunch of Scottish stuff. You see the Viking past of Denmark and Sweden, Jordan's mm-hmm. history of the Crusades, uh, explore old Europe in Bulgaria, and it's just really cool that it's a whole. It's not like one thing. It's just like you go with the same group, and mm-hmm. it's
2: it's a like bunch a bunch of different a things. Theme of the yeah. area or the people that were there or whatever it is. Right. The whole idea is really cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you want to know. What you want to do and you're trying to figure out a vacation and you're just like, wow, where do I go? There's so many things to see. I would check out some of these tours and then figure out if you want to pay for one of those tours or just Mm -hmm. kind of steal their itinerary and do it yourself.
2: Yeah, because like when you start thinking about what ancient sites are interesting and what you want to see, Mm -hmm. there are an overwhelming number to choose from. And I think it is really easy to like default to the, the big things, the pyramids. Right. Ancient Greece, obviously, Rome, but there's so much more out there to see and you might be able to do it more economically. You might find some more things that are more interesting to you, depending on what you you care about, what you like. So, yeah. And what do you care about and like to see?
0: Well, we will talk about that probably (laughs) in segment three, but in segment two, coming up on the other side (laughs) of the break, on the off chance that time travel to the past is made viable within our lifetimes, Uh we're going to talk about the rules you're going to need to follow back in a minute. Welcome back to episode 241 of the Archaeology Show.
2: The Time Travel Archaeology Show. Time
0: Travel Archaeology Show. <laughs> now, this not to be confused with another great show on the APN, T-Break Time Travel. Oh,
2: yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're True. not trying to
0: steal that idea. No, we're not. Right.
2: This whole article that we read, just because, you know, we're always like researching mm-hmm. articles and reading about archaeology in the news. And this article just like sparked this whole idea about yeah. time travel to the past. So, I mean, Yeah.
0: Lots of people, but sure. But like what archaeologist hasn't considered time travel?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, I love time travel fiction too. Like I read that kind of stuff all the time.
0: Right. Speaking of time travel fiction, it provides a lot of the rules that we'd probably need to follow if time travel were real. Mm Because some people really hit the nail on the head. Yeah. They do the research. they, They try to figure out, you know, to make their... Their stories, their movies, their whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, a little more believable right? because it it gets you in there.
2: They do try. I always find that there's head scratch moments when (laughs) with certain types of time travel plot lines. So there is nothing
0: wrong with Back to the Future.
2: (laughs) I mean, you know, you have to just like let it be what it is and that's fine. But
0: (laughs) okay, let's talk about that real quick. So Back to the Future. It exploits one of the early thoughts about time travel, which is more than likely not true because it would cause chaos in the world. And Mm -hmm. that is you go back to your own timeline. You don't fracture into another timeline. Mm -hmm. But we now know with the many worlds theory and the many universes theory and the multiverse and the whole thing that more than likely you just spawn in a completely new existence and a new timeline when you go back in time.
2: Which that like really hurts my brain so badly that I almost like don't even want that to be the way it is. Because how could there possibly be an like, another timeline. That's it's, just so hard. Hu- it's so hard. Because it's a
0: quantum reality. I know. Yeah.
2: Quantum is hard.
0: Quantum, <laughs> it's it's similar to the Heisenberg uncertainty principle where you can only measure... No, that's not the one. That's where you can only measure speed or distance, but not... Or speed or s- distance or direction, but not both. Speed mm-hmm. or direction. We have somebody who works at NASA that's listening to this going, Chris, get it right. I know. He's yeah. going to be,
2: like, writing in. I know. In. The email is being
0: written as we <laughs> yeah, speak.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's anyway, fine. We deserve it.
0: Yeah. One of the people that... <laughs> has one of those sci-fi shows pretty much everybody has watched that has traveled into the past, but they never bring this up when they go into the past. It's only in the present. And that is Star Trek. Yeah. And the Prime Directive. Yeah. My question is first off, I think the Prime Directive is bullshit. If you can get oh, there like aggressive. Who who cares if you're, you know, helping somebody along? You know, maybe they need some medicine. It doesn't really matter. The Prime Directive is too strict, too rigid. Yeah. They they try not to interfere at all. They always interfere. Right. But they try not to. And that's their prime directive. The thing
2: that I always get stuck on is if you bring back something crazy with you, like in Outlander, for example, which is one of my favorite time travel mm-hmm. history things, shows, fiction, whatever. And Claire brings penicillin back to <laughs> right. the you know 1700s with her. And I'm like, well, yeah, they didn't have that yet, obviously. But who's to say that like, you know... She didn't, her bringing that back in the 1700s didn't actually cause it to be discovered when it was like in a roundabout, sideways way, you know? Like maybe it had to be that way.
0: If I'm not mistaken, but I haven't read the books, but in the first series of the TV show, didn't she go through the stones and like her clothes were left on the ground? No. Like you go through naked?
2: Oh, no. She dropped like a shawl or something, but oh, no, you don't okay. get through naked.
0: All right, no, never mind. You can bring stuff. All right. Well, anyway, the prime yeah. directive if you go into the past, I think that it would be okay to help other cultures because you're not affecting anyone's future because you've created a new you
2: created a new timeline. You won't destroy yeah. your
0: ability to go back in time. Yeah. And the statistical likelihood, depending on how far back you go, of you actually doing that, of you actually changing the future to the point where you don't exist mm-hmm. is so unlikely. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to do something catastrophic, like divert the asteroid that landed in 65 million years ago, yeah. right? I mean, you would have to do something like that in order to really change the planet yeah. uh, and change time. Well, so, it depends on
2: how, how far back you go and all that kind of stuff too, because like, if you don't go very far back in time,
0: sure, you, you, could could,
2: have, you could have an yeah. effect on your immediate relatives. Right. You know? I mean, everybody but, talks
0: about killing Hitler when he's a baby, yeah, you know, but like somebody else will just get pissed off and take over, right? Yeah. That's like... I don't know. Anyway, so does changing the past alter the future? As we're saying, if, you know, if you're on a different
2: timeline. Yeah. Is, if they're to
0: be believed, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Which also means you probably can't ever get back. Something yeah. else to consider. If you decide to travel in time, you're traveling in time for the rest of your life. So and you're and not, if you try to come back, you won't be able to. You
2: can't just like jump from timeline to timeline. Like I want to go back and see this place and then go to this place and then go to this place and then go to this place.
0: Now, that's an interesting thought because again, we're getting into quantum mechanics, right? Yeah. So if you, if if other realities exist, then theoretically at some point we should be able to go between those realities. Mm -hmm. But if the laws of the universe are different in that reality, your body may not be able to handle it, right? If it's only slightly different, you Mm -hmm. probably can and, and most realities are a fraction of a millisecond different, right? You make one decision, like my decision to sit at this desk to record the podcast versus the other desk. That's a different decision, right? right? Our decision to record the podcast at all. Yeah. You know, that's, that's another decision. And there's a reality where I did choose not to record the podcast or you chose not to record the podcast. And we're driving into downtown Charlotte right now. <laughs> There's a reality where that's happening.
2: (laughs) See, this is where (laughs) you start losing me. And I just want to go back to the basics and say, okay, here's our rules. Our rules are that we don't really care much about the prime directive. We're not worried about changing the future. And we can go to whatever timeline we want as many times as we want to. Those are the rules that I'm like creating for my personal... History, time
0: travel. (laughs) So some of the things I wrote down for what I would kind of want to do in the past, not really where I would want to go. We'll talk about that in segment three. at least I will. Yeah. But what I would want to do is I'd want to excavate in the past. I want to bring some tools and I would like to see the science of it because I'd want to say, go back to, you know, a 10,000 year old site that we've worked on, maybe, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that, like the downtown Miami site that we've talked about Mm -hmm. on other shows. Yeah. I'd like to go back like about 5,000 years and see what it looks like then. Yeah. And hopefully, there's nobody living there, but we know there is. Yeah. But if we had the ability to excavate at that time and see, see Fill in how the
2: picture a little bit better. Yeah. See yeah. how
0: the the shorter history has changed, yeah. right? And see if there's stuff further back that that five thousand years from then. Is just no longer viable maybe the, yeah. the maybe the acidity of the ocean is taking it away maybe mm-hmm. you know something else so well with uh, a
2: lot of sites that we've excavated and just excavations in general they are layers upon layers upon layers of different occupations and different histories so yeah. if you're trying to get to the oldest levels and it's hard to do that here today in this time yeah. but maybe if you do go back two thousand or five thousand years you can get you don't have those ne- those later occupation mm-hmm. levels and then you can just like get straight to the one that you're trying to learn about. It would yeah. be an interesting idea. But then, so then my mind gets all wrapped around it and I'm like, <laughs> well, if you go back 2000 years and excavate so that you can find, find out like whatever happened in the older occupation, I have two questions for you. Number one, what does it look like in Wait, <laughs> so confusing. It's gonna break your what, head. I'm gonna break my brain. What? My first question is, what does that do to that excavation in the in your regular time? Because you were excavating there and you wanted to get older, but you couldn't, so you decided to go back 2,000 years.
0: Again, this different is different wh-
2: timeline. Okay,
0: this is why there has to be a different timeline because I wouldn't have been able to excavate and even know where I was going in the past. Yeah. which is my future, <laughs> and say. You know, and then go back to this site. I wouldn't know it existed.
2: Yeah. Right. Okay. So I
0: have to be able to create a different timeline.
2: All right. Well, I thought of a bigger, better question. Okay. <laughs> Why do you want to go back 2,000 years to excavate a site that is, let's say, 2,000 years older than that, when you could just go back 4,000 years and see the site get created to begin with?
0: Because I like to see site formation processes.
2: Okay. So. You know,
0: I took a class in grad school on fluvial geomorphology, which is basically mm-hmm. how rivers move. Mm-hmm. And it was just so... Fascinating, and when you start learning about that kind of stuff, and you're you're flying over the Midwest, for example, and you see all these weird lines, and you can start tracing the path of a river that's mm-hmm. twenty miles away now, right? And see all these little lakes, and you know that oh, that's an Oxbow Lake that was created by an, a channel of this river ten thousand years ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I just would like to see how those things really change. Now we have a lot of ideas on site formation processes and how things work, but I always want to know: Did we get it right? Because yeah. archaeology. I mean, I'd say we're probably 90 to 95% certain in a lot of cases on certain things, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to dating, when it comes to, you know, other stuff, but in reality, we can never be a hundred percent unless it's historic archeology, span because if we have records and we have journals, yeah, yeah, if we have that kind of thing, then sure. But if it's anything without any sort of written evidence or, or pictures or anything like that, then we're just making a really good educated guess. Yeah. And I want to know the truth.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I get that.
0: Well, that's why I'd also like to interview people in the past. Yeah. Again, I don't think this would have any lasting effect on their culture. They would just, I mean, we have evidence of that now. There's, un there's quote uncontacted tribes right now in this world mm-hmm. that are just completely cut off from civilization and always have been, mm-hmm. but they know civilization exists. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change the fact that they're running around in loincloths with arrows. Yeah. They know that there's airplanes flying overhead. They see boats out in the water, mm-hmm. but they just don't want a part of it. Yeah. And I have no doubt that somebody in the past would feel exactly the same way. Right. Now you might hit that one person that's just like, oh, my God, I need to, like, change my life and, you know, start an industry. Right. right. I mean, right. that's that's crazy. But they're probably not going to make that happen.
2: Well, um, I mean, the thing that we're missing from all of the excavations that we do as archaeologists is the first person perspective. Right. You yeah. don't have any primary resources. Because there just wasn't written records, yeah. depending on where you're excavating. So having that would be really valuable. So yeah. that would be cool.
0: And finally, to the end of the segment, I would have no problem grabbing stuff and bringing it back with me <laughs> because first off, I'm not going back. I'm yeah. going to a different future, mm-hmm. but hopefully it's a future that was similar to the one that I left and the similar things, because mm-hmm. I'd like to, I'd like to grab some of those things and then. You know, have a better analysis of Mm -hmm. them while they were fresh, fresh artifacts, you know, be able to date some of those things, be able to do some. Well, you know the the date. I know the date, but I mm want to be able to. Play a little more around with that. Mm. You know what I mean? Have some more concrete evidence of when it actually was. Mm -hmm. You're right. I mean, if I take something from 5,000 years ago to the future, it's not going to age 5,000 years.
2: No, it's not. And then it makes me wonder if like people will think that you're a fraud, right? Like people who don't (laughs) believe in time travel, they're going to think, well, that, that thing's not 5,000 years old. It doesn't date properly to be that old. So, Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I guess I don't see a problem with bringing artifacts back as long as you're not trying to like... Um, profit off of it I guess yeah, or like well, change you know, history or yeah,
0: so, yeah I think that, that it
2: gets it gets weird and sticky but right yeah
0: all right well on the other side of the break we're going to talk about some very specific places and things and, and stuff we'd like to do if yeah. we were able to time travel in the past yeah so if you're still awake join us on the other side <laughs> welcome back or to or from to the future, the archaeology show. Wherever you were, welcome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So, episode, so we've, got,
2: we've got our rules, right? We've
0: got our rules. Yeah. We we're, know what not to do. Yeah. Which is basically nothing. We can do whatever we want. We have
2: our made up rules that we agree with personally yes. because we get to make these rules.
0: Again, if you're fracturing the timeline, you just made a whole new reality. Yeah. it's like Do whatever how, you want. Yeah. How does it matter? Yeah, I don't know. It's your world now. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So I would definitely like to visit sites that I've recorded. It sounds kind yeah. of boring, but... Because we've recorded sites that, I mean, on the face of it, there's a few flakes here. Mm -hmm. There's a projectile point. There's Mm -hmm. maybe a hearth. But I want to know the story behind that.
2: Yeah. Well, you know me. I've always been interested in, like, just what the people are doing. What are they doing in central Nevada 10,000 years ago? Or when I worked in Peru, right? Like two thousand years ago on the side of a mountain in Peru, in northern Peru. Like I wanna know what life was like and what they were doing because I've excavated those sites and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of questions because there's always a lot of questions and it just would be really cool to know.
0: One thing I think would be really cool is to also see go back specifically with like a site record Mm -hmm. mapped in with the locations of things that you found and just see how much more stuff there was when Mm -hmm. the site was initially created. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can move something off a of site, uh, yeah. especially someplace like Nevada, where um, they call it a, a palimpsest of history because you've got sometimes thousands and multi thousands of years of history sitting on the ground because there's no soil deposition. Yeah. That's why we find projectile points sitting there. Yep. Now you got to ask yourself, well, if it's, if it's amongst a bunch of others, that's probably the last place it was dropped. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's not, it's just some random projectile point. Then the question becomes, okay, so was this picked up by somebody else? Mm-hmm. Was it, was it good? picked up by some sort of animal? Yeah. You know, and Did it get
2: stuck in a cow, right. like a hoof or whatever. Was it picked
0: yeah. up by a human and they maybe were going to use it because they're like, Hey, work I don't have to do. Yeah. But then maybe something bad happened to them. And they're like, well, I picked up one of the ancestors, you know, things and i better drop this right here because yeah. it's bad luck. Yep. You know, something like that. So, you know, what, what's the life cycle of artifacts really, really look like? Yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah. We talk about stuff when we record in like valleys and something, we might find 20 sites And we're like, oh, these are all separate sites, separate occupations. And if you can prove that from dating, great. Mm -hmm. But often we can't. Yeah. And everything is, you know, usually within the same like 1,000 year range because that's the range of projectile Mm -hmm. points and stuff like that. And I'm like, what if all that was just from like one big site and it was just drug around and people move stuff? Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Um, I mean, it's totally possible. Like, so to see the actual context that the artifacts and site were were dropped in, were created in, would be really, really interesting. I remember this one artifact I found on the site in, I think it was in South Carolina. Yeah, it was right over the border of North Carolina and South Carolina. And it was an excavation that we were doing there. And what I found was a piece of clay that was fired. Yeah. And it was fired in the shape. I'm making a, with my hand. It's like, (laughs) so you can't see it, but like a person had taken a piece of Uh, clay in their hand and squeezed it yeah, and it left the impression of the insides of their fingers and like their hand, right? Mm -hmm. And you could, the hand was much smaller than mine. So probably a very small woman who had done yeah. it would be my guess or kid. or kid. And, but you could put your hand right on it and like, yeah. like be in the lines of the person who did that. And i just, it was such a human connection to that artifact, even though it was like a not significant artifact otherwise, but it was so human to see the imprint of that person's hand. And I'm like, I want to just like go see the person who made that to just know yeah. what they were like and what they were doing. Why would you fire a piece of clay that you've squeezed oh. in your hand, you know?
0: Oh, I have no doubt because you've told me about that piece. Yeah. I've had no doubt that some people were sitting around, it's usually women historically speaking, but they were sitting around a fire coiling up their pots because mm-hmm. a lot of pots in the in the past were, you know, linear like tubes of clay. Mm-hmm lines of clay, but they coil them up until Mm -hmm. they make the pot and then they smooth down the sides. I have no doubt that some kid ran up and and just like Like grabbed grabbed a lump of clay or something, squeezed it and chucked it in the fire. Yeah.
2: I mean, we're in North Carolina or North South Carolina there. So it's like the land of natural clay to begin with. So there's a lot of it around. So it probably did happen pretty easily naturally. But I just would love to know the context that got that piece where it was Mm -hmm. for me to find it, you know, however many thousands of years later, maybe I was hundreds. That site wasn't like super old. So anyway,
0: what's something that is famous in the historical record that you'd like to go see?
2: The first thing that comes to mind is the mound sites in North America. Yeah. I would love to see Cahokia in its heyday Mm -hmm. or Chillicothe in Ohio or Moundville in Alabama because all we see now are these big, like like hills of dirt right yeah. but i would love to know and we make guesses and we make really good educated guesses about yeah. how they were using it and what they were doing but i would love to just like see what it looked like in its heyday what they actually did with that space and then what it would be like to like be a person living yeah in and around these these bounds you know because they're they're so they're not that distinctive now i mean they are but they're not like the the built structures that you mm-hmm. see, the stones and things in other communities. So I'm like, how did how did it develop to the point where it was this built up mound of dirt?
0: Makes me think of something like Serpent Mound in southern Ohio, yeah. where the mouth of the serpent has like a, a circle in it. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be like a like a sun or something like mm-hmm. that. At least what people think. And it's supposed to also, if you roll back time a few thousand years, facing the solstice. One of the I don't remember which one, but one of the yeah. solstices. And uh, probably the summer solstice. Mm -hmm. And because it's not lined up with that anymore, because, you know, the planet moves. But I would just love to see one of those actual ceremonies. You know, was this the kind of thing where, you know, a few religious athletes come over there and they do this thing, you know, for the benefit of the society? Mm -hmm. Or was it like thousands of people joining from all over the place once a year? I would love to know that. Yeah, to do this one thing. Yeah. You know,
2: yeah, it's entirely possible it was only for some kind of religious group Mm -hmm. you know within the society and or it was everybody it would it would be great to know and also it would be great to know like what the actual significance was like did they really do that so specifically i mean it seems like they did yeah but it's also like are we giving it more importance than they did i would love to know the answer to that question
0: right because there's a lot of times i mean you just look at buildings in your own city how many buildings are using their original, are in their original purpose right now.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, people
0: move out of the building and something else comes in.
1: Yeah. You know, reduce,
0: reuse, and you know, all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. uh, we rarely, well, we try not to tear stuff down anymore. And if it can be remodeled and reused, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, did they do, why wouldn't they have done the same thing in the past with such massive labor intensive efforts? Yeah, totally. You know, so, I mean, there are ritual significance on things where you might not want to touch it because... You know, again, it's the ancestors, it's mm-hmm. the ancients, it's uh, the past. So, mm-hmm. but I'd like to see stuff that maybe doesn't exist anymore, but we know existed, or oh, at least we think. Oh, that's
2: a good idea. Yeah. Like, for example,
0: we've talked a number of times about our Greece episodes about the first Parthenon.
2: Yeah. There's
0: like, no what way you can see like? that now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. What about the. Uh, uh, I'd like to maybe see if there's some early attempts at pyramids in in like Egypt or something yeah. like that, you know, or better yet, what the pyramids looked like again in their heyday. Yeah, you know, for Cause sure. wasn't the pyramid at Giza and a lot of them supposed to be covered in like this white alabaster or something like that? Yeah, it
2: was the yeah, the
0: just gleaming from the distance. Marble, I think. I don't think it was marble.
2: It the cap the, the cap oh, of one of the pyramids top. still yeah, still has the the
0: yeah. encasing or whatever. Yeah, it was. whatever that was, and it
2: would have been over the entire pyramid, at least that one. Right. So it would be so cool to see it like that for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, that'd be really neat. And I was thinking, too, about, like, the uh, Colossus of Rhodes. Oh. You know, did that actually exist?
2: Did it exist? I'm not sure if it did. What about the
0: library at Alexandria? We know that existed. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. So things that we know were destroyed or burned down, like, that would be really cool to see those kind of places. because you know, we have evidence that they were amazing and, you Mm -hmm. know, something happened and now they're gone. Kind of like the current Parthenon. I would love to see it before the Venetians got a hold of it, you know, (laughs) and threw a cannonball into the middle of it or whatever they did.
0: I'd love to go see where the Venetians, you know, Venice, presumably, and and go over there and be like, that first... Like raiding party that was about mm-hmm. to head out, you know, and head over to Greece, head over to, you know, the Adriatic and just start tearing <laughs> stuff up. Yeah. I just want to see what their mind, what was that committee <laughs> well, meeting like? Yeah.
2: So that, <laughs> and again, back to the whole wanting to just like live the life of a human. Yeah. Like, what was it like to be yeah. part of a society that was hellbent on conquering all of the land they they could get their eyes on. Well, and that's you know? how we
0: see it in the past. But what was their agenda?
2: Yeah, that's what I was I you know, was this I'm some curious. kind of
0: religious crusade? They were, yeah. they were bound by God to go do this stuff? Mm-hmm. Or were they just jerks? You know, probably um, not. Well,
2: no, they probably just, or, or, everybody wanted more power, more money, more influence. Yeah, that's I mean, always that's usually, how that stuff happens. So,
0: what it boils down to. And
2: they were good at it. So they just kept doing mm-hmm. it, right? So, but yeah, to be part of that society and yeah. to reap the benefits of what they were doing, like what what would that have been like?
0: Yeah. I'd like to see things like we were talking about one of the Roman agoras in Greece, in Athens, that we saw, where mm-hmm. they tore down a bunch of, you know, locals' houses and filled in a bunch of pits to make this thing because you know the goods of the many,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> the, of course, the needs yeah. of the many, yeah. the, yes, <laughs>
0: and, uh, and and the goods of the many, everything was buried. <laughs> but I was thinking of other stuff of s- similar significance, like Vatican City is right in the heart of Rome. I've been there, mm-hmm. and. I was like, what was there before that? What did they tear down yeah. to make Vatican City?
2: Yeah, totally. Because it doesn't
0: look like anything else around it, yeah. right? It's very special. I'm willing to bet it was probably still Catholic and mm-hmm. religious there, like maybe oh, a smaller sure. church or something, and it just kind of built up. Yeah, probably. But how did it become Vatican City? Yeah. You know, it's just such a such a big thing there. Um, right. Peopling in North America. Yeah. where I want to see that first group I, of people that I got I want to know
2: how they did it, for real. Yeah. Like, we've got so many theories, and most of them are... Bad, but <laughs>
0: it will be so. There's hard. a couple good ones, though. I know. Without some kind of futuristic space age technology where you can throw up a drone or something and, and find life signs, human life signs, mm-hmm. it would be almost impossible to actually pinpoint where that is. Oh yeah, you don't even know where to look.
2: No, you wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. You'd have you, to. You'd have to monitor the the likely suspects right. and yeah maybe we make lots of different timelines so that you can keep track of all of them i guess i you don't know jumping all over the yeah.
0: place
2: yeah so yeah for sure
0: anywhere else you maybe want to see or go well or do?
2: i mean there's all the cliched stuff still like we've talked about a couple of them but wouldn't you love to see the coliseum in rome yeah. like fully together fully built oh, yeah. but not just see it complete but also see a a show is it a show oh, a competition I would call it a show
0: it's pretty what, bad a,
2: whatever they did in there i want to, to that, see it
0: they used to fill it up with water yeah. and have sea battles in there
2: i want to see that happen i want to yeah. see a sea battle in the coliseum i think that that would be such a insane wanna, thing to experience i want to
0: see it being built
2: yeah, you know, you, you, love, Just, the, you love, I love the logistics. The I love it. You're such a logistics I guy. <laughs> I don't want the logistics. I want the pageantry. Yeah. I want to see you, what the.
0: <laughs> you've got Stonehenge on here. How did they get those Saracen oh, stones I up on top I there? Would,
2: wouldn't you love right? to see that? That would be. How did they do it? That would be very cool. But, but how do they even get them there? But more than see your logistics, right? Yeah. I want to know truly once and for all what they were doing there. Why did they build it the way they did well, it? All ritual. Of course, but like, <laughs> that's what?
0: An easy answer. Done. What, what next?
2: <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> no, I want to know the, like the nuts and bolts of it. I want to know who was doing it. Was it a group of religious people? Was it the entire community? Was it all of the different communities in the out, outlying area yeah. all came together here? And that's why it's so big and massive. I just, I want to know more the things that we don't have the answer to.
0: There are two massive construction questions I'd want to know the answer to. Uh-huh. That we're always trying to figure out. We think we know, but we don't know. We can't know 100% unless we find something that says, this is how we did it. Yeah. How did they build the pyramids? Uh And not only that, but how did they build them through time? Because they built pyramids of the course of thousands of years. Yeah. So like, did they build them differently 2000 years later? Mm -hmm. Was that information passed down or was Mm -hmm. it lost? I mean, you know, how how many times did they have to figure it out? And why can't we figure it out now? Yeah. Right. And then also uh, Easter Island.
2: Oh, yeah. That would be... Yeah.
0: How did they move those? Yeah. How did they get them into place? How did they carve them? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just crazy.
2: We're so different. I I want to know. (laughs) I do. I am curious about how the pyramids were built, but more than the how, I want to know what it was like to be a pyramid builder in Egypt. I want to know what their life was like. Were they really treated terribly? Were they more like slaves or was it an actual like, you know, was it like going into the military where you have a a solid career for 20 years or whatever building pyramids? I want to know what that life was like and kind of the same for Easter Island, the Easter, the heads, I want to know why they did it and what the purpose was and yeah, what the the rituals around it look like. So, all
0: right, well, we make a good
2: pair, I guess. Well, you go, you go learn the logistics (laughs) and I'll, I'll observe the people and like, you know, figure out what they were doing from a cultural perspective.
0: There you go. Well, Rachel, we're going to go back in time. Rachel's going to be in there as an anthropologist and I'm going to be a project manager. And yeah. <laughs> then,
2: uh, there you go. Perfect. we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. definitely. All right. There's so many places, though. I, I yeah. couldn't even list all the different places yeah. that we would want to go. I mean, I'm curious to hear what other people are interested in, too. So send sure. your send your ideas on where you'd want to go. Or come over, if you're a member, come over to the Slack channel, and we can talk about yeah. the kind of places that you want to go visit and the things that you want to learn from, yep. the past, from the past when we become time travelers over on the Slack channel.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. if you don't know what we're talking about with the Slack channel, go to arcpadnet.com. Forward slash members. Mm-hmm. There should be some sort of login button there. If you're on any page, it'll say login down in the lower right-hand corner. Mm-hmm. You can do that. And if you're not a member, it'll ask you to become a member. And then you can uh, join in the conversation.
2: Yeah, for sure. All
0: right. With that, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Archaeology Show. Feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.archpodnet.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ArcPodNet. Music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero. Again, thanks for listening and have an awesome day. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland.